two disciples walking and talking for seven miles. This is really Easter afternoon. Jesus has been crucified, buried. It was the third day, and the women this morning in the story, the women this morning had come back saying that the tomb was empty and that he's risen. So these two disciples, after hearing this news, after knowing that Jesus' body was indeed gone from the tomb, they're walking back home because they don't know what else to do. And as two disciples who walk seven miles together do, they talk. That seems normal. If you were walking with someone that you knew for seven miles, you would be talking with them too. It's only while they're talking and walking that they encounter this stranger, this other man that they didn't know. And maybe perhaps they're going roughly the same speed. It's only one road as an option. And so the man can easily hear them. They can easily see him. The stranger, perhaps being an outgoing gentleman, are possibly just lonely while walking, starts to see what it is they're talking about and inquires, what are you talking about? It's a brilliant way really to get involved and to have somebody talk with you in conversation. And instantly he's added to this conversation. And they ask him, you haven't heard. How could you not have heard? This is a really big deal. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. Everyone knows about Jesus. Everyone heard what happened. How could you not know what we're talking about? The disciples are sharing in what's a disbelief of what's just happened, what's sadness in their heart, what's still confusion with their lives. He was able to save so many. The truth is, he really was able to save so many. He didn't die for our sins. He died because of our sins. He died so that we could be saved. So that we could have life eternal. Death has been defeated. Taxes, we still have those. They're still around. But in all seriousness, we joke that there are two things certain in life, right? death and taxes. And Jesus proved that morning victory over death. And of course, the disciples, as they often were around Jesus, were very confused. They were confused about everything, really, as they followed Jesus those three years. And it isn't that they weren't smart people. They were. It was that this is deep heavy material. And it's not just deep, heavy theological material here. This is deep, heavy emotional material for them. This is a lot to take in. It's a lot to process. 
And this person that they've been following for the last three years that's healed people, that's brought people back to life, he himself died. He didn't even try to save himself. He didn't demand that God rescue him. And today, his body is no longer in its resting place. What are they to think? Are they supposed to think that the body is raised like Lazarus or the young girl that Jesus raised from the dead? Because in that case, their body would look just like it was before. So if it was raised, if they had a body like that, where was he? If they're supposed to think that somebody stole the body, well, that might make sense. They can't find it. Are they continue to continue to do things the way they did before he was crucified? Even without him, do they go on home? They're still processing. They're still grieving. And the stranger along the way says, yeah, that makes sense. You know, the scripture in the Old Testament, the prophets, what Moses said, everything that's happened to your Messiah, it all makes sense. And the disciples say, hey, you know, after listening to you, you, we know that you're not from around here. Why don't you come and stay with us tonight? That wasn't really as big of a deal as it would be nowadays. We have a lot of hotels and places to stay along our routes, and they didn't have those then. So people would typically stay in others' homes. And these disciples, they've been staying in other people's homes for the last three years as they've been traveling with Jesus. So they've had a lot of hospitality shown to them. It's not unlikely that they sit there and reach out and show that hospitality back. They understood welcoming people into their homes. They understood Christian hospitality well, the disciples. This weekend, Friday and Saturday, I was at the Christian Conference Center with a few other adults and about 10 high school students, juniors and seniors, um, teaching these leaders how to be good leaders. Now these teens are our Upper Midwest Youth Council members, our UMWIC for short. Among these in our region is our very own Hannah Jamison, who's here with us today. And my biggest contribution to this weekend was leading an exercise and discussion on Christian hospitality and its importance so that our future leaders, these young leaders, could incorporate it in their retreat planning that will be coming up in March. Hospitality is important. It's vital in getting people connected to Christ. Think about it. If this church hadn't shown you hospitality when you first came into these doors, when you first sat in these pews, you probably wouldn't be sitting where you are today. People know when they're loved. People know when they're wanted. They know when they are valued. It's important 
to show hospitality. Now this stranger accepts their offer and agrees to stay with them for the night. They continue showing the stranger hospitality, setting a place for him at their table, inviting him to come and eat. And as they're sitting there with their meal, the stranger picks up the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he starts to share it with each of them. And in that moment, they found Jesus alive among them in a stranger of all people. And they knew that Jesus was still living. The women this morning were right. He is risen indeed. They were so happy, these two disciples were, that they ran all the way back the seven miles that they had just walked from Jerusalem to tell, this was in the dark even, to tell all of the other disciples the good news that Jesus had risen indeed. It's in the breaking of the bread that we find Jesus nourishing us still today. It's in welcoming a stranger that we welcome God still today. When we practice hospitality, we are the living hands and feet of Christ still today. And after we worship today, and after we go through our annual meeting, we will gather around tables in our fellowship hall, and as we eat, we will discover the healing and reconciliation that can occur around tables still today. And this afternoon, as we gather as a community at an ecumenical service, we will recognize the vast and expansive welcoming power and hospitality of Christ and that it extends much farther than these walls of this church. And this week, we will experience the ho- and be able to host ourselves Thanksgiving as we gather with people, both in person and in spirit. And when we leave, we will feel, feel the joy of the living Christ still burning in our soul. Christ is alive and present. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen? Amen. In this next song, go ahead and turn to number 414, and Jenny and Lori will be leading us as we sing. Amen. 